Um, so like what I said, we are continuing our series on no margins. And um, if you haven't been here for the past few weeks, we have had Pastor Wale and we had a guy called Aaron come last week just to talk about actually how um, sometimes we put barriers and we put margins up that can actually cause us to um, separate ourselves from people. Um, it can cause us to separate ourselves from what God wants to do in different areas of our lives because we don't hand it over to him. Um, and one of the things that we also looked at was um, Jesus's example. So looking at how he walked when he was on the earth, how he lived and how he connected with other people. Um, and the topic that I am looking at and I want to speak to you guys about tonight is um, no margins in family. Can you guys say that with me? No margins in family. Okay, one more time, a bit louder. Great. So I just want you guys to get up for a minute. I want you to find someone and I want you to tell them your, who your favorite relative is and why. So maybe try and not find a sibling, maybe try and find someone you don't know, who's your favorite relative and why? <laughs> cool, I'm going to give you 10 more seconds. Great, okay, you can, <laughs> you can start to take your seats. Well, hopefully you found out a bit more about people's relatives, a bit more about their family. Was anyone surprised by, yeah, okay, cool. I'm not gonna share mine because I'm pretty sure this is being recorded and my sister's here and if she's not the one, then it gets a bit awkward. <laughs> but yeah, so the topic of family can be quite an interesting one just because everybody has um, different experiences and different setups and everyone's um, kind of expectation of family can be different as well but the aim of the sermon tonight is really to gain some understanding on how we remove the boundaries between what God wants to do in our families and maybe our perspectives on our families as well so I um, went to Google and I wanted to find out the definition of family and there was a couple of different definitions the first one said um, a group consisting of two parents and their children living together as a unit um, and the other definition added that all the descendants are of a common ancestor. Um, so when I looked at those two definitions, the kind of two words that stood out for me, the first one was unit. And it made me just think of actually a unit is a group of people that have a common purpose, they have a common aim, and they work together to fulfill that purpose. So each member has to know what their role is, what their responsibility in order for them to function as a unit. And then the second um, word that stood out to me looking at these definitions was ancestor. Um, and ancestor just made me think about legacy. So in a family context, thinking about those people that have come and gone, what they did, how they lived, what they left behind, but also in our lives, um, what we're doing now for the next, for the next generation, for people that are going to come after us. Um, and I really believe that the physical representation of family should mirror the spiritual one. We are sisters and brothers when we are children of God. Um, and I actually believe that, that our unit as a spiritual family should reflect um, our physical one. Um, and we see this in Acts 2. You don't have to turn there, but I will read it. It's from verse 42, and it's talking about the fellowship of the disciples. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, um, or added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is just a great example of spiritual family working together, a group of disciples knowing that actually we are here to serve Jesus, we are here to serve God, um, and we're going to do everything to ensure that the people in our community, the people in our unit, um, have what they need in order to fulfill the purpose that God is um, giving to us as a family, as a spiritual family. So just to give you guys a bit of, um, I guess, background. So I have um, an immediate family of five. So I have a mom and dad and I have a younger sister and brother. My sister's here. Shout out to my sister. <laughs> and um, I'm the eldest child. Is anyone else the eldest in their families? Oh, there's a lot. Yay. It's a privilege. I love being the eldest. But um, I'm also from a Nigerian background, so there's always a lot of pressure, always has been a lot of pressure on being the eldest child. And um, <laughs> one of my experiences was with school. So when I was going to secondary school, when I was about to go to secondary school, I had my heart set on my dream school. I really wanted to go to this dream school in Essex, which was a bit away from where I lived. Um, so it was a struggle to get into that school because it wasn't in my catchment area. So um, we tried and tried and tried. Anyway, year seven came and I didn't get into my school and I was devastated, but I was determined that I would still get to that school at some point. So we prayed and we appealed and we did everything that we had to do. And praise God, eventually I got into the school. And um, one of the things that I remember my parents saying is, oh, now your sister and brother, they won't have to worry. They'll get straight into the school, no stress. And I remember thinking, but I've gone through all the hard work. I've gone through the stress of it all, and they're just going to be able to come in straight away. Um, but what was funny was that as I grew, as I matured, as I developed, I began to see that actually it's a privilege um, to be an example. It's a privilege to have that role and responsibility. Um, and it's something that I just try not to take for granted. So what I want us to do is actually to look at a family setup that we see in the Bible. Um, so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke 1, and we're going to start from verse 5. Say no margins when you're there. Oh, you guys are kick. Okay, I'll start reading. So Luke 1, 5 to 25. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was Elizabeth, who, um, who also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time, when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Are you guys still okay? We've got a few more verses to go. Okay, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring him will be will he bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When this time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Amen. So I really, I love this passage. Um, I read it a lot. I use it a lot when I'm speaking. But I just love this picture of um, the family dynamic. So here we are told, um, told about John the Baptist's parent, um, parents. And with John, sometimes we read about his um, purpose and how he lived. But we don't actually look at the backstory of actually what was his family dynamic. Um, so here we see that his mom and dad... Um, Elizabeth and Zacharias were, um, they came from a lineage of priests. So Elizabeth was a descendant of, of Aaron, Aaron being Moses's brother. Um, and Aaron and his sons had been chosen and had been anointed to be priests. Um, and Zacharias was also born into a similar household and a similar lineage. So we see that they have some similarities. Um, and one of the things that I, I picked out from this verse is actually when we're working as a unit and when we look at our family dynamic, it's really important for us as members to know what our roles and responsibilities are. Um, so we see that, that even though um, things were difficult, even though Elizabeth was barren, um, Zacharias was still serving in the temple. That was his, that was his job, that was his calling um, to be a priest. And he didn't let the, the challenge of what was going on in that family, even though their family wasn't fully formed and didn't look like how they wanted it to look, he didn't cause that to be a barrier um, from, from him serving um, as a priest in that, in that household. And it also talks of their character. So in verse 6, it says that their focus is on Jesus, um, that they are righteous, that they are pure, that they are blameless, and that they are serving God. Um, and I wonder if actually when things aren't going well in our families or it doesn't look like how you expect it to look like, if actually we... Um, if we, if we stop serving, if we change our character and change our view of who God is based on what's going on, based on the challenges that are in our families. And can I just suggest that maybe there's, there's a calling for, for you or for different members of your family that's actually linked to the character that God's given you. Um, I look at some of the people in my family and, and some of us have like similar passions. We have similar things that we enjoy. So my family's a very musical family. We, we like to sing. Some of us like to play instruments. Um, and we, we try to connect in that. We try to use that to build one another up to see how we can actually serve in the house of God um, in that way. The second thing that... Um, I want to look at is actually Christ over culture. So if we move to the same chapter, but verse 59. Let me know when you're there. Anyone there? Luke 1, verse 59. 
Great. So it says, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed. And he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And it's funny in family, I think it's so easy to get fixated on rules and regulations and the culture of, well, this is how it's done. So we're going by it. But here we see that the angel of the Lord had come to Zechariah and he had brought a word so clearly to Zechariah concerning his son. And I think in terms um, of in, in order for unity to abound actually in family, um, and I think the way God wants it is actually we need to have members that are on the same page. Now, I know that this can be difficult, um, maybe if you're not in a Christian household, maybe if you're the only believer or you've only got a few people that um, that are believers in your in your house. Uh, but let me encourage you to keep praying, to keep pursuing God's word concerning your family and concerning your relatives. Now, I don't think that this this phrase of Christ over culture means that we disrespect our parents. Um, I don't think it gives us an excuse to dishonor our parents. We're actually commanded to respect our parents, to honor our mother and father. Um, but I think it does cause us to pray. It does cause us actually sometimes to look at maybe where things need to be changed and to ask God to speak, to ask God to maybe soften hearts or to bring that same vision that he has for the family um, for, to other people so that actually you're not standing alone feeling like you're the only person that's hearing God concerning your family. Um, and again, just a personal experience for me. So my dad's a pastor. So I grew up in, in church and we grew up in, um, in my dad's church. And I remember when I was sort of getting to my late teenage years, so probably like end of secondary school, sixth form times, um, I just started to feel that um, I wasn't sort of meant to stay in that church. I kind of felt called to do other things. And I didn't feel that I was um, in an environment that was allowing me to grow in that way. And I remember kind of just having discussions with my, my parents and my dad in particular. Um, and he was very adamant that no, as a culture and as a family, he really felt that we were to stay and to go to the same church. And it was very hard for me because I was like, okay, how do I navigate this? I feel strongly that, that you know, I'm supposed to be somewhere else. Um, but at the same time, I'm told to honor my parents and to be obedient to my parents. So I, I kept at it. Um, I kept obedient. Um, to my parents, I kept honoring him and said, okay, I'll stay. And then I got to go to uni. I went to uni in Cardiff. So I went, I moved away from home and I got the opportunity to go to other churches and experience other churches. And then after uni, um, I ended up in Leicester. So I was in Leicester for five years. And that again allowed me to actually step into all those things that I really felt God was saying back then because I was in a church and I was around people that allowed me to grow, that allowed me to um, step into those things. And it's funny because I recently come back home and I remember when I was trying to make my transition, I remember speaking to my dad again 
and being like, okay, I'm coming back to London, but you know that I am very involved in this lovely imprint family, and I believe God's calling me here. And it was funny, he was so for it. Um, and it was because he had seen what God had been doing whilst I had been away. Um, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy when we were having those conversations. It wasn't easy before I went to uni. Um, even when I was in uni in Leicester and would come back home, I would still be attending his church and still be obedient to what he was saying. Um, so I think it really comes down to to asking God to soften hearts, asking God to give uh, maybe those people that in your family or relatives that don't understand or um, how you feel to, to actually give them that fresh vision um, of what God's saying and what God's doing. So the third thing that I see in this in this chapter really is legacy. Um, Zacharias, I think, just was so um, was so good in being obedient and trusting God's word. Um, he could have chosen to disobey. He could have chosen to say, "No, you know what? We've been in this situation for so long, so I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to do my own thing." But what was so funny is that in verse 66 we see that people began to to wonder wow like what is this song going to be like Zacharias and Elizabeth have trusted God they've given him a name that isn't even um, part of our culture that we're not familiar with um, but they saw the the results of of their obedience and of their trust um, and I think it's so important in family that actually we we trust on God's word um, that we don't put up barriers when God says things that maybe our reality doesn't match up to but that actually we still trust in what he's saying and if you if you know about John he had a particular purpose he was called to prepare the way he was the cousin of Jesus um, and he was called to prepare prepare the way for Jesus and, and we see him baptizing people we see him building the kingdom of God that was his purpose um, and the legacy that he left was a big one and I think sometimes when we think about legacy we think oh it means that I need to be married or it means that I need to have children um, but we see that that wasn't the case for John at all um, and yet he still left um, a legacy and I just um, wonder who in your household you feel like you can be encouraging that you can be praying for uh, maybe you've put up a margin and said oh actually I don't really connect with that cousin I don't really like how that auntie talks to me um, but I just encourage you to, to not allow that to disrupt what God wants to do in your family so just another example of what we do um, uh, at home with my parents and my and my siblings um, at the end of the year. So between sort of Christmas and New Year, we we get we gather together and we kind of just sit down and we talk about how the year has been for us. So we look at our individual journeys. We look at what God's been doing. We look at what's gone well, what hasn't gone well. Um, and then what we do is we try to pray together about what we want to see happen in the new year and it's such a great way of coming back to that focus and coming back to saying okay we believe that there's a vision for this family we believe that there's a purpose for this family how do we walk in that in this upcoming year um and yeah we and we and, and when we enter that year we try and just bring it to god's remembrance so we are coming to the end of 2019 we've got um a few months left and i know even in my individual prayer time i'm like okay god as a family we came and we said that this year is going to look like this so i'm just reminding you that we spoke about this and i'm just reminding you that we're still trusting you for this um, and i think it's such a powerful thing to do 
Um, I think if you are in a family, like I've said before, the where maybe you're the only believer or there's only a couple of you, then I encourage you to um, connect with each other or connect with friends, connect with your sisters and brothers um, and be accountable to them. Get them to, to pray with you for your family members, for your relatives that maybe don't know Jesus. And I just believe that, you know, it's so important to put Christ at the center to not put up these barriers. And I really believe that we can see breakthrough in our families when we do that. And we can really see um, unity in our families when we do that as well. Amen. So I just feel like there's um, a few prayer points and a few things that, that God wants to do. So if you guys want to stand and I'll call um, Pastor Wale to come up as well. So like I said at the beginning, family, the topic of family is such a personal one because we all have different dynamics and we all have different setups. Um, but as I was preparing for this, I felt that there was actually um, some people that need to ask for forgiveness for maybe marginalizing their own family members. Um, so maybe you've looked at people and kind of written them off in your family because of how they treated you or what they said. And I really believe that, that God just wants you to, to come and to ask for repentance for that. Um, I believe maybe for some people there's actually difficult situations that are going on right now in your family and you really want the situations to shift. You really want to see breakthrough in your family. So we're going to pray for that as well. And then the last thing is actually I believe that there's some people here who know that, that as a family um, there's a really big purpose and a really big vision that God has for, for you as a family. And I just want us to pray for protection over that and for wisdom for that as well. Um, so if you connect with that, if that's um, something, any of those things are something that you want prayer for, then please come forward. If the worship team can come back as well, that would be great. <laughs>